From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. Today we are talking about how to deal with difficult people, especially when the difficult person is us. The Christmas season is here, and most of us are already busy trying to make this year perfect. We want to give the perfect gifts, make Pinterest-worthy food, and create as many Instagram moments as possible. Sometimes our good attentions can drive us to the brink of crazy. For the sake of our friends and family, my co-host and I have gathered to talk about the times we've been difficult during the holiday season and how we're planning to change that this year, and what you can do if you know people like us. Before we get started today, we wanted to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. My co-hosts and I are so grateful for you. If you enjoyed this podcast so far, there are three things you can do to support us. Number one, subscribe to us on iTunes. When you do, our most recent episodes will be updated in your podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. Don't use a smartphone to listen to the show? That's okay. You can sign up for our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org. Each week, you'll receive a link to our latest show. Not only that, but you'll get additional content about the topic we've focused on for that week. Sometimes it includes books, blog posts, or even bonus episodes that you won't find on iTunes or Stitcher. Number two, leave us a review. When you leave a review on iTunes, it helps others who are looking for something new to listen to to take a chance on us. It also prompts iTunes to suggest our show to listeners that are searching or are already listening to similar content. Number three, last but certainly not least, share a podcast with a friend. You know your friends. If you think they might enjoy a particular episode or just our show in general, let them know about it. Oh, and also, we'd love to hear from you on social media. We can be found around the web as Circles of Faith. This week's In Your Words question is, what is your favorite holiday recipe? Kimberly, you want to go first? Um, sure. My, my favorite recipe is pretty much anything I don't have to make. <laughs> I, I do not have um, holiday recipes. To be honest, isn't that terrible? I wish I had something that I made every year, but I, I really don't. Uh, my husband makes uh, the turkey for us for Christmas, and he has a special um, 17 herbs and spices brine that he makes, and it's very specific. And um, I don't even know what they are. I'm, I'm not told what they are. It is a secret. And... Um, if anything ever happened to him, I would probably not be able to replicate it. So that is something we look forward to every Christmas. It's wonderful. And it's so nice because I don't have to make it. And I love it. What about you, Elise? Well, I am, um, I'm a big baker for the holidays. Um, and I have a lot of cookie and cookie bar recipes. And I usually try two or three new ones every year. However... My favorite recipe is actually our brisket, which I serve on Christmas Day, which is a little unusual. Um, we 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 serve sort of two meals, um, which we'll go into some other time. But um, the brisket is is actually a Hanukkah meal, and I found it probably tw- I started making it 22 years ago. And King Supermarket had a special, you know, little special Hanukkah holiday thing. And they had this recipe in there and um, I tried it and everybody loved it and it feeds a crowd. You can make lots of it easily. So that's it. My brisket, my Christmas brisket. I need that recipe. 
to give to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I have a favorite one that I made. Growing up, we would travel down to my grandparents' house, and we would always see family on Christmas Eve. And one of the favorite things that my grandmother would make was a recipe called Jello Fluff. And as an adult, now that I see it and know what's in it, and I, I can't believe I love it. Um, it's like a jello with the cream cheese with crushed pineapple. I mean, it really is this like, I've has had a, that. You had it. It's like this interesting texture and it's sweet and it's just, you know, and now every once in a while, my mom will bring it to, um, family events, but like nobody's ever seen it before. But like to me, we grow up, we had it every holiday. Oh, yeah. Well, was it a jello mold? No, like, did it have just, a shape? No, it's just like it, it has to do with cream cheese at room temperature, strawberry jello, um, diced pineapples That's and their juice. Yeah. And it's just the textures really, they call it jello fluff because it's like Almost fluffy. Not, fluffy. Yeah, it's fluffy. It's not marshmallowy. It's like the like, cream yeah. or something. It's like that whipped cream inside of it makes it kind of fluff. Yeah. Like, is it, it my grandparent, you know, my grandmother was from PA. So maybe it's a PA thing. Maybe that's why you've it, had it, it before. Is. Kimberly? That's where I had it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only our family likes to put, um, wait, it's from my husband's extended family. They also put pretzels in it. Oh. It's so bizarre. Well, but that sounds very like Pennsylvania. Salt. It gives you a little salt with the sweet. But you get the crunch with the whip. It's very bizarre. Ooh, I but don't, don't the pretzels get soggy? Kind of. I mean, I'm going by having had maybe three bites over the course of 20 years. So I can't say specifically, but I, it is an unusual dish. It is yes. a taste. It sounds very <laughs> different. I mean, I've had like mimosa, you know, with the little mini marshmallows. Have you guys had that? With, no. With pineapple and coconut and... I think maybe there's mandarin oranges in it and mini marshmallows. Um, my my aunt used to make that, and then definitely used to have Jello molds. Remember those? Yeah, we would do finger Jello, the kind of what you could pick up, not the kind okay. you needed to eat a spoon with. The finger Jello yeah, was a big one. This was one more too. like you would you would it would be in a round, you know, like the copper um, mm-hmm. mold, mm-hmm. and you turn it out. It actually looked, looked very nice, and you would take like a slice of it. Mm-hmm. Weird. We had like pistachio <laughs> one year. I remember. You know, you would put fruit in it sometimes. These are like the throwback recipes that no one ever yeah. talks about anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think there should be cookbooks with them. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I have cookbooks with them in there, like the ones that the they used to pull together for church fundraisers. Everybody submitted their recipe yes. and then bought the, the <laughs> yes. church cookbooks. I have a few of those. Yeah. But yeah. you won't find them on the Food Network, that's for sure. <laughs> no, you won't. Hey, you never know. Maybe you will. I'm going to search. Yeah. <laughs> So as we mentioned earlier, Christmas is right around the corner, and during this time of year, a lot of us tend to be difficult. It's the time of the year where we spend time with family and friends that we don't normally see all year round. Uh, Everybody's busy. Everybody is under a lot of pressure. We have too much to do with not enough time, and we tend to be a little bit difficult, and I think that we all have experienced interacting with difficult people, people that we love, but people that can drive us crazy. And at first we thought about talking about how to deal with those difficult people. And then we realized, wait a minute, we can be just as difficult as the people that we're dealing with during the holidays. And so we thought instead uh, we would change it up and talk about the ways in which we're difficult and maybe even come up with some strategies for how we're going to overcome our difficulties this holiday season. 
Who wants to go first and share something that they have done in the past that could definitely be seen as difficult by the people in their life? Okay, well, I can start. So um, just a reminder that I have older children, and my children have largely left my home uh, for several years now. I have one child who is a senior in college, and so she's the only one that lives at home. Um, So I would be so excited for them to get home for the Christmas holidays because for whatever reasons, their jobs or their schools or whatever would allow for a good chunk of time and nobody else was kind of pulling them away, boyfriends and all that stuff. So we, we would have like this sort of sacred, I don't know, five or six days that were loaded with traditions because we're very, very loaded with traditions in my family. You know, like we have just several days designated for different um, activities, including decorating the tr- waiting for me to decorate the tree till they get home. And that always is accompanied by baked cookies, blah, 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 blah. So we have all these traditions, and I was so excited this one year for all my girls to come home. I just was, I could not wait. And they all arrived, and it was like, as soon as they got home, I started being mad at them for leaving again. And they hadn't even really settled into being home. I started, you know, saying some snarky things, um, letting them know that I was disappointed and sad and lonely because they were gone most of the time. And um, one of my daughters, my the good news is my girls will not let me get away with this kind of behavior. <laughs> so basically, my one daughter was like, Mom you are like ruining our time together because you're so worried about when we're going to leave. Like, let's just have a good time while we're together. And it was definitely one of those lightning bolt moments for me. I, I really, it really struck me. I really had to process it. I really had to realize, I had to look at how I was holding on to my girls, how I was holding on to the past. And it really was sabotaging my actual time with them. So, um, I think I wrote a few blog posts about it, really thought about it, and decided, okay, I have got to figure out how to be here now when my girls are around, because the time is very precious, and it is very limited, and it certainly continues to be that way even more so, particularly as, um, you know, they they go on with their lives and become much more independent now um, as they're older and have their own children in some cases or getting married, et cetera, et cetera. As my daughter said to me the other day, well, mom, we're going to be creating our own traditions. When I said, will you be coming home for the holidays in years to come? Um, and she's getting married December 31st. So, uh, you know, that's me. I'm a holder honor and, um, I can really ruin things with my sadness and grief, and um, and my girls are like having none of it. They're they're loving, loving, loving. Excuse me. They're loving and compassionate, but they are not going to indulge some of this stuff in me. And so I would say I can be difficult in my desire to hold on to the past and hold on to them, and not let anything change. Um, and instead I really, um, have got to embrace, uh, the, the future and the changes. And that might mean not always having the big Christmas thing at my house, especially in our new home, which is smaller. Um, and especially cause my families are going to have, my, my children are going to have their own families and my husband and I thankfully love a road trip, but we may be visiting them, you know, over the course of the holidays in the next couple of years. So got to change, go yeah. with the flow. Not good at that. 
So it's not going to be the last time you have everybody under your roof. So I'm wondering, is there anything in particular that you do now to prevent that, knowing yourself? Well, I I think part of what I do is ask questions ahead of time and try to get a a grip on what are their limitations, how long will they really be here? Because they'll kind of, my, my girls will fudge the information a little bit, I think, to try to manage my expectations, but that doesn't really help. It's really better for me to know, okay, no mom, I can't go into New York City two days after Christmas like we usually do. I'm going to be back in wherever, Virginia. Um, or, you know, just asking, asking questions and, and kind of being honest and saying, you know, I just want to be, I want to be clear so um, I don't end up being disappointed. For example, my daughter Katie is um, moving home for the month before her wedding. But I know she's going to go and see her fiance, Alexander. It's not like she's going to sit here for the month and not see him at all. You know what I mean? So I I asked her about that ahead of time. I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize you're not going to be here that whole time. I don't have to plan my entire month around you. I do want to be available when you're here. Can we talk a little bit about scheduling? So those kinds of things, just just me being a little bit clearer about what's really going to happen, I think that helps. Also, you know, honestly, getting over it, like really, Elise, get over it. I do have to talk to myself that way. It's like you, I've been so blessed with such uh, wonderful memories and such wonderful traditions, and I love my children and my children love me, but we're not going to all live down the block. It's just the way it is. They live far away, and and I get to see them when I get to see them. I just saw two of them up in Boston this past weekend. You know, glory, hallelujah. Otherwise, get over it mm-hmm. <laughs> and and enjoy my husband and what we have together and, you know, have our own lives. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's all what I'm working out. Yeah, I think creating those realistic expectations helps in, in any situation. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Kimberly, what about you? How, how can you be difficult to the people in your um, world? Oh, gosh. Well, how can I not be difficult? Um, I, oh, gosh. This is actually pretty tricky because I think I can be, I can be a little of a, a tricky person around the holidays because I get easily overstimulated and overwhelmed. So I, um, I think from what I've read that I am a highly sensitive person. So extra lighting, extra music, extra noise, extra people, extra everything, just, it just is very hard for me to take in all that stimuli and kind of still remain even keel. So I have found, especially when we were living overseas and we would come back for the holidays, we would set aside, um, my kids had a long break. So we'd come back for like three weeks and we would stay at my in-law's house which was a constant open house, like just mm-hmm. rotating door of people in and out. Um, and, and we would try to see everyone that we know and love in the tri-state area, like literally every person we know um, who lives in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and sometimes even further afield um, within that three weeks. And it would be over the holidays and there would be these huge expectations on our part, on everyone else's part, on who got, how much time with us and, you know, who was getting more, more time with the kids. And, um, and, and for it, the introvert in you, I'm sure that was wonderful. Oh, <laughs> so, I was so peopled out over that time period that I almost 
began to dread it because we weren't, and we weren't even staying in our space. Like we were in my in-laws house, which was wonderful. However, you know, when you're not in your own space and you're kind of sharing a room, a tiny room and you're in a single bed and you're, you know, the kids are all three of them in one room and fighting. It was like, this is not restful in any way. So, um, as an introvert, that was very challenging to have weeks on end of that. Like it, it was just not never ending. Um, so I really was not, I think there were certainly times I was not very pleasant and I kind of went reluctantly to see folks and, you know, they can kind of read that. I would try and, you know, be upbeat about it, but it's really hard when you feel peopled out over the holidays and you know that you're going back to a home that is also filled with people and stimulation. Um, it just, it, that was a really challenging time. And we did that for years and years. So I'm so the first year we had back in our own home back in New Jersey, I didn't want to go anywhere. I was like, let the people come to us, but I can retreat when I need to. So, um, so I think what I do now, you know, I mean, now it's still feel the holidays are still filled with people and with parties and whatever, but I can manage it so much better because it's, I stay, I'm in my own home, you know, so I manage how much stuff goes in, it comes in and out of my home and how much noise and, you know, excess we have here. And I really try to manage my time with people. So if I start to feel like I'm getting people pulled out by all the parties and stuff, sometimes I just say, no, I, I don't go. And my husband is very happy to go with the kids or whatever it is, you know, I mean, if it's somebody that I, I don't get to see very often, I'll make much more of an effort. But if, it, if it's just another thing on the calendar, I sometimes say no. And I do make sure that I have time um, when we aren't scheduled that I don't fill that time with stupid stuff like going to the mall and shopping with crowds. You know, like I'll stay home and read a book and take a bath instead. Um, even if stuff needs to get done, just because I know, like, I got to prepare myself emotionally for the onslaught of people later. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's the strategy I use. But I, I definitely have had times where I've been snippy and difficult. And I do not think that people remember me fondly from some of those Christmas holidays. <laughs> Would you I'm say- probably that person <laughs> that everyone refers to. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, her, she's grumpy, you know. So, <laughs> would you say you've gotten better at it over time? Like as as you've gotten to really know yourself? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, now I know that I need to build in those times mm-hmm. where I'm alone and I'm I'm recharging on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I I didn't realize like all of the excess stimulation of just all the stuff, you know, like being in the mall all the time, trying to get your shopping done or being in crowds and lights and music and like all of that stuff. I didn't realize that that really wound me up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, now that I know it, I'm like, oh, well, then I just avoid some of those scenarios, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's been super helpful. And I think I'm, I'm a much more pleasant person to be around for sure. I'm proud <laughs> Um, Well, I was trying to think of ways that I'm difficult and I tend to write passive aggressively deal with the holidays, meaning that I don't go crazy on anybody. And if anything, I keep my mouth shut Um, and I get more disappointed and and internalize how I'm feeling about what I'm unhappy with, which I don't think is characteristic of my personality most times a year. 
I could be wrong. I tend to avoid the things I don't want to deal with. So I hate trimming the Christmas tree, and we have two of them. I don't know whose idea that was. Probably mine before I realized how much I hated it. So I will avoid it at any costs. So last year we did not have Why do you hate it? Oh, I just hate everything about it. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some, like, memory of, like, that didn't go well one year when we did it growing up. I, I I don't know. I just don't, I just don't like it. Like if it can't, if it can't look perfect, like in the stores then I don't want to do it, like I don't, I don't need it in my house. So and then in the beginning years of our marriage, we had a real tree. We hate our tree. (laughs) What did you say? Our tree, our tree is the messiest. I love our tree so much because it is just a crazy mix of life. Well, that's why tree. we have two trees. We have the, the downstairs <laughs> right. tree that has all of the ornaments people ever gave Pretty us that nice. don't match and the oh, kid, things the kids created. And then the upstairs tree has all of the ornaments that are color coordinated. <laughs> so <laughs> I laugh, but I did this as well. Okay. All right. We have um, the kid tree, which is the tackiest thing yes, you've ever seen. And yes, mom's tree. <laughs> yes. And then we have the train set that goes around the tree, but we don't have the right houses for it. And so I don't even want to deal with that. Like if we're not going to have the right houses. And of course that gets, drives my husband crazy. Cause he's like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Just put the train around the tree. And I'm like, but we don't have, no, the scale of the house isn't right. I'm not putting these up. And, and he just like, so then <laughs> I just withdraw. Them. Yeah. It's the designer in me. Um, so what I do is just avoid, avoid. Um, when we first got married, we would, just argue over putting those stupid lights on the tray. So now we have fake trees where the lights are already built in. So that's eased some of it. Um, but I think this year, in order to avoid that, I may just have um, maybe like a little bit, a little party and have my kids invite their friends and let them do it. That's what I've done. I often invite relatives over and say, why don't you come trim the tree with our kids? It would be a wonderful afternoon for you. And then I find other things to do. And like, I will go away. Make, <laughs> I'll make lunch and I will um, get you a cup of coffee and I'll be right back because I have to go do this errand. And thanks for trimming my tree for me. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's just like so wild to me how this is an area where we are completely the opposite. We go out to a <laughs> field and pick a tree like that's part of the traditions mm-hmm. and every year my husband says we probably should just get it at home t-boat this, this year first of all uh, fake tree never happening um second of all not picking it from a field like, again this is a setup for my own you know mm-hmm. freak out um but but and then we you know hold off decorating because i want everybody to be there oh my gosh so we we like do lately we've been doing the Christmas decorating the tree like I don't know you know two or three days before Christmas and then we leave it up a little bit longer but yeah it's just completely like I have a lot of rule I have my own rules you have your rules mm-hmm. to make it the yeah. way you want it, and I have my own rules but they're just very different but it's kind of the same idea I guess in the end yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's about managing our expectations of what we want. And I find it really tricky when, when you're dealing, I mean, when you're in a family, you know, like my husband has really, really strong opinions about Christmas and what is, you know, what needs yeah. to happen and how it needs to happen. Yeah. And that would be, um, me. you know, it's certainly down to the, tr- down to the tree thing. It's, there's usually an argument. 
not usually, there's always an argument about the size of the tree. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, can we fit the tree and is it going to be full enough of a tree? And oh my goodness, it's such a thing like every year, but it really is about our expectations, you know, like yeah. I always, mm-hmm. he thinks bigger is better and I always think simplified is better. You know? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm with your husband. We would, we would, you know, and we, we, I mean, we are majorly Christmas oriented. My husband has a huge Santa collection. We were even on the Today show last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That. yeah. And um, for, for me, like the big tree is so important. We've literally, but it's been so hard to gauge. Like it seems like such a simple thing. Measure your ceiling, you know, ceiling to floor. But we have literally come home with trees where my, my husband's talked me into a smaller tree and it was so small that I forced him to put it up on cinder blocks because <laughs> I, there's no way I'm having a dwarf tree in my house. And conversely, we brought home trees that are so big that we had to lop off the three top feet yeah. so that they were straight across. Yeah, so it becomes the Christmas shrub. Well, see, in, in defense of a yeah. fake tree, you know you're always going to get the same exact tree, the same exact <laughs> height every year. Where we yeah, put our know. tree, it has it goes up kind of um, right, two, in your hall. almost almost two stories, not quite two yeah. stories, but it just yeah. peaks a little yeah. bit above in the stairwell, and so. And it's thin and narrow. And if I had to go and source that size shape every year, I would go nuts. Yeah, you'd be fighting is what you're doing. (laughs) My husband pretty much... He goes along with the, with the, a, a lot of the craziness. I will say that helps. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. when you guys I have got- also learned to do that, because it's, it's not, you know, what I had to manage. Like, am I willing to die on this hill here? Mm-hmm. Is this something I really, really care that much about? And for the most part, it's not. Right. It's just not. It's not worth an argument. So if it's meaningful to my spouse or my children, then I often just need to suck it up and do it. Yeah. So, Kimberly, you touched on it, but Elise, did you find that you and your husband had different expectations for the holiday when you got married? I mean, I know that, you know, like you were talking about when you bring families together, my, um, probably where I am a little bit difficult to where my husband hears about it and nobody else really does is that when we go to family functions and the, they serve food that I'm like, why are we eating this on Christmas? Like, <laughs> like you're not serving my, my, some of my family just will not serve turkey on Christmas because we just had it at Thanksgiving. And I'm like, <laughs> but so you can only eat turkey one time a year, not two times a year. Like it's been over a month. It's turkey. It's Christmas. Why are we having like, you know, a buffet of, of this and that and I, I, things that I don't even, would never even associate with Christmas. Right. So I'll be like, yeah. ah, 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 ah. and like, <laughs> I don't let anybody know about it, but my husband, because I'm like, we're going to have Thanksgiving next year and we're going to do it my way and we're going to have my grandma's stuffing and we're going to not going to do that to the turkey like I definitely have <laughs> you know and when oh here's a funny story um you know when I first was in when I first got married my husband's family they would throw away all of the dark meat of the turkey because they don't eat it they just oh literally God. took it and just dumped it in the garbage in front of me and I was like mortified because <laughs> I love dark meat and like I was like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? So for yeah. me, I'm like, if there's not dark meat on the table, I'm not eating. Like, don't I don't want the, you know. So, yeah. Now, now they keep it because they know I like it. They know my parents like it. My kids love yeah. it. Funny. But like this, this expectation again yeah. is that yeah. that's not the way I do it, and so yeah. we, we tend to become yeah. difficult over it. 
Yeah, I just I just wrote about that. I don't know if you saw that, Kimberly, on my 31-day series on marriage, which is a seven-day series, actually. Um, but <laughs> I was talking about I, actually, the differences that we come to the table with. And I used vacation as an example. But, you know, it's interesting and probably a, a blessed thing, actually. Um, I don't think Chris had that many traditions that were really that they were dug in on as his family. Um, and I really did. Um, and in addition to that, I, I totally took off on those traditions that were in my family. And I really have been doing Christmas for as long as I can remember. So, um, certainly we had a couple of Christmases at Chris's mother's house, but not a lot of them. And so, I would say, actually, it was an area where we came up with our own traditions, and Chris was totally on board with it. He's been actually very um, go with the flow on it for me, and I really am a Christmas girl. I mean, that is my holiday. I love it. I love doing it up. We started this Santa collection so not on purpose. I mean, we we basically found this beautiful, you know, the Jesus uh, Santa kneeling over Jesus's, um, manger or what's his bed called? His little, there's Jesus. Is it the manger? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is in the manger and Santa with his hat off and he's kneeling by Jesus. And it's one of the most beautiful things I'd ever, I I was like, so loved it and, and gave it to Chris as a Christmas present. Seriously, a long, long time ago, over 20 years ago. And that started our, our quote, Santa collection. Um, which is funny. And we really do have, you know, over a hundred Santas. Um, and they're all very different and very interesting and they come from different people and blah, blah, blah. But he's definitely been on board. He's not as, um, intense about it, but so that's helped. We, we, and, and as far as family foods, as I said, I created this meal, this Hanukkah meal that everybody loved. So it's, it's brisket, it's those round potatoes, you know, cooked real, crisp um it's carrots with dill and butter and it's red cabbage okay that's one meal and then the second meal that is at the same table is ham that we always had in, in growing up aunt patty's spaghetti which somebody brings a vat of that because oh we grew up with that <clears throat> spinach that spinach with the sour cream and onion so we have the 1950s christmas <laughs> and my brisket christmas and we bring it all together on the table and it's just a huge amount of food and um I think, uh, you know, we also have the day after Christmas tradition, which I think you know, Kimberly, don't you, that we have that? Oh, oh every sure. day, well, oh. every day after Christmas, at my house again, we have, you can decide whether or not you want to cut this, what we call Braless Game Day. And it started as... Why I want to cut that? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> started as... Anything Braless, sign me up. Yeah, especially the day after Christmas. So we were all young moms, my sisters and I, and we were exhausted by the day after Christmas. So we would come together. We'd be like, okay, okay, hubbies, take them away. Do something with the kids. Get them out of here. And they would. And we would, like, hang out in our pajamas and play Scrabble. And it was, you know. Oh, I love that. sisters would come to me or I would go to them and it was one or two. I have three sisters all together and eventually it became every single year at my house again (laughs) all the leftovers come out Uh, I have very simple rules such as I'm not cleaning up after you Oh, that's going on my Christmas invitation this year spend the night and stay over for Braless Game Day. I 
But now it's just the women in the family, mm-hmm. and now our girls. There's a lot of daughters, um, and that's a little bit of an issue because there are some sons too. But you know, they deal. They go. They go off with men. But my son-in-law Tony uh, experienced this with us years ago, and he's the one that coined it braless game day. And the, one of the rules is that you're really not supposed to shower and um, get dressed in normal clothes. But some people have cheated on that. Some of the younger girls, they just have to shower and they have to, you know, put on real clothes. But anyway, it oh, is I have to so- shower and put on real clothes if you're going to take pictures of me opening up my Christmas present and opening up my stocking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm like, don't take for- pictures. <laughs> You'll have is- these for 20 years. No, no, no. That's what you mean, too. Like, Christmas morning for us is hours. We get up early. We have this, you know, um, what is it called? It's made with the biscuits and the pudding and the, it's like the cinnamon bread. We have the casserole of eggs with sausage and all that stuff. Long family, just my family breakfast, um, for Christmas morning. Then the whole gang comes. We usually know it's time to serve dinner when my mother starts freaking out that it's getting so late. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we've been having so much fun with our d'oeuvres. And then, again, it goes on the next day to Brawless Game Day. It's really fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. Wonderful. And so you can understand why when some of my girls start going, well, we're going to be changing traditions. I'm like, no! <laughs> but it's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. That's something to, I definitely need to think about. I mean, even looking back on how you know, when I got married and how that affected my family and my in-laws and how they had to change all of their traditions. My mother-in-law is much the same. Like everything was a tradition and it needed to be done in this way. And, and, um, I don't think I was super sensitive to that because that wasn't my experience. So I didn't know, you know, that that would be of course hurtful when she had to start giving those things up. And when we were coming in and saying, well, we're not going to take part in all of this, we're going to be doing our own thing now. Um, that, you know, looking back, I wish that I had been a lot more sensitive to that. I don't think I would have done, I mean, we still would have, of course, forged our own path a little bit, but I think I I would have perhaps, um, not done it quite so aggressively. (laughs) I I think, you know, I think that's another thing that we should definitely talk about at some point is the whole mother-in-law daughter-in-law, all that kind of stuff, because I think that's a really important topic, and it's a good it's a good thought, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm heading into mother-in-law land. I already am a mother-in-law, and I, I've really been thinking about how can I be a good mother-in-law, you know, and one of the ways is to let go <laughs> yeah. to some degree, so, but yeah. then, then how does somebody receive that? I mean, I certainly appreciate it if somebody would look at me and say, well, you know, you're my mother-in-law. What, what can I do that's going to bless you, too? I mean, it can be a a relationship that comes together, I think. Mm-hmm. I think instead it is what you just said, but that is a bunny trail, and we'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Noelle couldn't be with us today, but she um, left us a recording about an interesting holiday story that she had, and she learned an amazing spiritual lesson from it. So we are going to play that for you guys right now. I'm a little bummed that I'm not going to be on this episode because... I actually wrote Four Circles of Faith about a time during the holidays when I was nine months pregnant. You may remember this, Kimberly, I mean, she and Elise. I was nine months pregnant, and my dad had given me a picture frame. No picture, a painting, a original painting that he had commissioned by a local artist. And he said to me, honey, I know you're pregnant, and it's Christmas. I was pregnant with my first I was pregnant with my firstborn, 
And he said, all I want you to do for Christmas is get this, this original work framed for me. And it was small. It was maybe like a, a nine by 12 painting. And I, you know, had it in my house. And when it came time for me to bring it to the framer, I couldn't find this painting anywhere in my home. And I went crazy. I went crazy because I knew it cost I don't even know how much money it cost, but I knew it cost a lot of money. It was one of a kind. It was special to my father. And all he wanted me to do was frame it. And we were supposed to go Christmas tree chopping with a bunch of people. And I said, Troy, I don't want to go Christmas tree chopping. You just go, you just go get the tree and I'm going to go find this painting. And he, you know, he kind of knew I had that like wild look in my eye that if he challenged me, I might eat him. So I, he left, went with the tree, and I, in pure insanity, convinced myself that this painting was in a dumpster behind my home because I lived on church property, so we had a big dumpster, and I thought, surely I threw this painting out. And I pulled a chair up to a giant dumpster, opened the dumpster lid, and got inside of this dumpster, nine months pregnant, with all this trash, and began to look for this painting. Absolutely a lunatic, lunatic. And as I'm in there, guess what happens? The lid falls on top of me, and I, I'm trapped inside of a dumpster, nine months pregnant, inside a dumpster, and squirrels and possums start to crawl up my leg and in my hair. I don't even know what happened, some kind of divine supernatural strength, but I, like, hoisted, like, hoisted my nine-month pregnant body out of the dumpster, ran inside the house, was crying hysterically. I, had, I literally had scratches on my body from the, from the squirrels. I had to go to the hospital after this, by the way, guys. Um, and as I'm running into the house, I noticed that the painting is sitting on my dining room table. And I remember like being in the shower crying hysterically i mean i had lost my mind lost my mind because i just wanted everything perfect for christmas and i was pregnant and i was just feeling crazy and on christmas day i gave my dad the painting and i told him the story and i was like as if it was like a funny story because it's kind of funny and he said to me well i don't think that's funny and i said why and he goes you forgot that you're my daughter before you're anything else like your well-being you being safe, you being cared for is so much more important to me than what you do for me. And it really, that moment changed my life because I realized that so often I'm running around like a crazy lunatic trying to do things for God and getting it right. And when I don't get it right, I'm like nearly like, you know, getting myself trapped in these like spiritual dumpsters and God's like, you're my daughter before you do anything else for me. You can do nothing for me and you are still loved and important and a purpose. And so that's my crazy holiday story. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I listened to that story. And while there are parts of it, I remember reading it too when it was on our blog. It's, it's really funny, but it's also a really important lesson in keeping perspective, both for, um, for Noelle and her father and both, and for all of us and our relationships, our parent and child relationships, if you will. It's like she really took major risks at a time when she was very pregnant. Um, she really did get hurt by those crazy animals in there. And she was so concerned, um, that she lost perspective on what was most important. And I think that's a really good reminder. We can we can be so concerned about meeting other people's needs and the whole expectation thing that we lose perspective on what is really important. And, and let's face it, it's important in terms of our relationships, but whoa, let's go back to what this is really about. This is about Jesus' birth 
And I mean, I you know, cliche, Jesus is the reason for the season, etc. But it is the truth. Mm-hmm. And we can, I know I personally can get very far away from that with all of my traditions and all these magical things. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, wow, let's, let's go back to what it's really about. It's about love. Love came down at Christmas. One of my favorite lines, love came down at Christmas. So I think yeah. um, Noelle's story is a poignant reminder of that. And I love that God can touch her heart and speak truth into her heart through her crazy actions and her crazy thought patterns that even yeah. brought her to the place where she felt that she needed to do that, that, that in the quiet and the still, he was able to say, you know, I love you. There's nothing that yeah. you can do to change that. And, um, that message that she received both from her father and from God, I think is wonderful. So I'm hoping that I get nice messages like that in my crazy. To uh, mention a little, a little message that God sent me one Christmas when I was having hysterias because I was trying to do everything for everyone and make Christmas the most unbelievable thing it could ever be for my family, um, which had nothing to do with Jesus and doing the baking of 500 different varieties of cookies. And I lost my temper and was freaking out in my kitchen, banging pots and, um, saying things that I shouldn't be saying, and my daughter heard it and really stopped me in my tracks. And I really felt the Lord say to me, and it really does humble me to this day, he said, get on the floor, get on the floor, get on your face on the floor. And it was like, huh? And it was like, no, really, you you need to submit. You need to get out of whatever you're in and come before me. And that happened many years ago. I'm going to say that happened 20 years ago. But it has stayed with me. Um, and it really, I really felt it was the Lord saying to me, you've gotten way, way away from what this is about. And you've lost your mind. And so you need to just like get in the most humble place you can be and get a grip. And so just kind of leave you with a little bit of a serious note. But mm-hmm. God really needed to get a grip on me because I had lost my grip on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my final thought well, I mean, I don't even know. You might not even want to add this in. But my, my final thought is that um, I, I actually do wish that we could, at least in my family, that we could scale it back a little bit and get back to the basics of what the holiday is really about. I've mm-hmm. told my kids before that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday mm-hmm. because it's not wrapped up in... Um, all of the gift buying, all you know, making sure everybody, everyone's been acknowledged, like the teachers and the this and the that, and and all of the excessive activities that just draw your attention from what we're really celebrating. So with Thanksgiving, it really is about getting together as a family and having gratitude for what God has blessed us with. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried a little bit. I'm not great at it, but I've tried a little bit to add um, some Advent practices into our family life so that we really are focused in, in leading up to Christmas, that our focus really is on Jesus and really is on, um, as you said, at least love coming down. And like, this is the genesis of the entire story of our lives. Like this is the heart of it. This is what we are trying to teach our children and raise them to believe Like this is it. So I don't want to be distracted by all of that, uh, all of the other fun, you know, it's fun stuff, but it would be nice to scale it back a little bit. So I think some of the Advent 
practices have really um, been helpful for me. And certainly in calming my spirit, they've been helpful for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to close this episode out with a list from my favorite happiness guru, Gretchen Rubin. She did a list on the List app called Eight Tips for Dealing with Difficult Relatives During the Holidays. So really, this is a shout out to our relatives um, for them on how they can deal deal with with that. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Number one, um, she says, ahead of time, spend a few minutes thinking about how you want to behave. Number two, she says, think about how topics that seem innocuous to you might upset someone else. So I'm guessing maybe we're not talking about the elections this Christmas. (laughs) Um, Amen to that. (laughs) Dodge strife. Another one is don't drink much alcohol. That's always a good one. Um, Actually, I disagree. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My family, they're all teetotalers. Nobody uh-huh. drinks in my family. And uh-huh. I think perhaps a glass of wine might help mm. some of these situations. Or eggnog, yeah. Um, as best as you can, play your part in the tradition. That's, again, what we talked about, really just understanding what's important to others, right? And kind of playing along. Um Let's see. If you're the one who wants everything to be perfect, try to ease up on yourself and everyone else so that you can enjoy the day no matter what happens. Two more. She says, find some fun and then find reasons to be grateful. So I think these are really basic things that we all can do, especially for others to be able to deal with us. And that's it for this episode on difficult people. We hope that you share this episode with a friend or family member this holiday season. Kimberly and Elise, will you tell us where we can connect with you online? You can find me at elisedailyparker.com. Um, my my tag is Elise Daly Parker on Twitter and on Instagram. And um, you can find me on Facebook at Elise Daly Parker, editor, writer, and coach. And you can find me online at KimberlyAnnCoyle.com, um, on Instagram at K.A. Coyle, on Facebook as Kimberly Coyle, and on Twitter as... Oh, good question. Really a coil, I think. I'm barely on there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at KimberlyAmici.com. Elise <laughs> is still laughing. I'm at KimberlyAmici.com, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Kimberly Amici and on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Everything you heard here today can be found in the show notes. Let's continue the conversation. You can find us, the Slices of Life podcast, around the web at Circles of Faith.